0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, a deal is reached to bring much-needed medical masks from the United States to Canada.
1: Both countries benefit
0: from this, and both countries would lose out if uh, hurdles were to be put in the way of that flow of health care support between our two countries. Help is coming for people who don't currently qualify for emergency benefits. If you're working reduced hours,
1: down to 10 hours a week or less we will soon announce how you will be able to qualify for the CERB. This is to help you if you're a gig worker, a contract worker or a volunteer firefighter. We'll also have more to say for those who are working but making less than they would with the benefit.
0: And a date is yet to be set for an emergency meeting of parliament to pass legislation on enhanced aid. We're taking them at their word right now that there will be no surprises in their legislation this time. Uh, we expect to receive some information as to what they are proposing uh, in, uh, in the legislation that will be called back to debate. It's Tuesday, April the 7th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top stories this morning. Joining us is Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan.
1: Good morning, Mark. So
0: there is a deal now. 3M has worked it out with the White House, and obviously Canada was involved in that discussion as well, to bring much-needed medical supplies to this country from the United States. What's your sense of of what it took to make that happen, despite all the blustering from Donald Trump?
1: Well, I had spent some time looking into this, because it it definitely threw the government. You could see, late last week, when, um, when this happened, and I was really intrigued to see how angry the provinces were over the weekend. Um, you know, I, it was very uncharacteristic. You know, uh, Doug Ford is, is generally friendly toward Donald Trump, but he was and mad at his press conferences on the weekend. Uh, and it's because a shipment had been he- actually held up uh, in Illinois, is my understanding, uh, sitting there because of this order and you saw the, the the newfoundland premier talking about come from away and uh and what the united what they had done for the united states uh during 9 11. so um so as i understand it um the government uh has been on the phone uh doing the usual thing uh getting in touch with all its um i'm told it was about two dozen calls by a number of people uh that that show of uh, anger from the provinces was coordinated uh it was uh all the provinces talked to ottawa and, and got their clearance before going out and uh and saying these things about donald trump um and it took uh some restraint i'm told by the prime minister himself but this is now uh i wrote about this today that donald trump manages to turn everything into a trade dispute and he is turning the pandemic into a trade dispute he is doing america first kind of hoarding basically uh but he's gone all protectionist in this and so canada has had to dust off its playbook from nafta and has handled this much as it handled nafta so ministers talking to their counterparts in the united states speaking to their contacts all over the place getting the provinces To speak out more strongly and then uh, keeping Trudeau from uh, putting Donald Trump in a corner. It's sort of a three-part recipe for dealing with this. We we should say there has been much celebration over this, rightly so, over the 3M deal. It has not stopped. Uh, Donald Trump is still intending to go through with something he calls the Defense Production Act, which is prioritizing American needs over other countries during this pandemic. Right. And Canada, Christopher Freeland said yesterday at the briefing, and Doug Ford said it in a statement, they're looking for an exemption. And that's what a lot of this phone calling is about. Those phone calls haven't stopped. The exemption is not yet obtained. Um, and so I my understanding from the Prime Minister's office last night was that this was a, a victory for sure on the 3M thing, but there are other shipments and other manufacturing uh, in the United States that they're going to have to worry about.
0: Yeah, this is one battle, not the whole war, obviously. A very, and yeah, a small we'll see this. We'll see and this theme I, I come what, up again and again, I'm sure.
1: Because Donald Trump turns everything into a trade dispute. Yeah. I think what you're going to see today, um, my understanding is uh, the Prime Minister will be talking more today about uh, homegrown Canadian production of uh, of things, and this is a theme. Also, you've been hearing from the premier Doug Ford has been especially talking about this. Um, is that this pandemic has taught us not to rely on other countries for the manufacture of, of things, and so we're going to see. Um, uh, I think you're going to see that theme playing out today in the in the daily announcements, which right. is you know Canada has to take control of this themselves.
0: Let's talk about the aid that is going to the people in our country who need it most. Uh, there have been many different announcements that have been made and uh, lots of reaction to it. Uh, it appears as though yesterday on the first day when people could apply for certain benefits on the government website that uh, things went smoothly as the people who were born in the first couple of months of the year were allowed to uh, to go online and log in. Um so there's more of that today, obviously. Uh, but the Prime Minister yesterday also said help is coming for those who have otherwise uh, not been able to, to get those benefits. There are people who have slipped through the cracks who don't qualify for various programs for a bunch of different reasons. Um, uh, is the government moving to support those people?
1: Well, he says they are. Um, and I think what we're seeing is, you know, I, I, he mentioned students. I think... This is the time of year where students are trying to find jobs, um, to, and uh, most of the country, it turns out, or a lot of the country, is unemployed. Um, so there is also the huge issue and of whether you're allowed to make a little bit of money and be eligible for this, and right now you're not. So, um, you, you know, all these people who are making little scraps of money here and there from their previous lives are not eligible for benefits because a little trickle of money is coming in and I think um, It was presented yesterday as fine-tuning But I actually do think it's going to be a whole other wave of spending that's going to have to address this because It's not just fine-tuning they, they, again. I, I think we've talked about this before what is really? being driven home to the government, and I think just to the nation as a whole, is that we are a country that lives paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, and no paychecks coming in is not just a problem you know, in the small term. This is, uh, this is massive for, for the country.
0: The opposition obviously has to walk a very fine line between uh, challenging the government and bringing to its attention issues that need to be addressed, uh, suggesting in some cases that help has to go further, uh, and and as well uh, being part of what many people will kind of— uh, colloquially describe as Team Canada in this effort uh, to fight off the coronavirus. Uh, what's your sense of how that's been going? There was some talk yesterday about how Parliament still hasn't been recalled in order to pass some of this legislation and whether the government is taking too much license here. So uh, what's what is your thought on how the opposition has been handling this and, and how soon Parliament should be recalled to deal with this?
1: I was watching Andrew Shear's uh, press conferences yesterday and I was actually quite impressed with the tone of them. Uh, he's making a good case that, you know, democracy doesn't go out the window, and although, you know, during normal times, we want to present the House of Commons as a bunch of noise, I think, actually, their little pared-down version of the House coming back was a week or so ago uh, was a good exercise. It showed that the opposition was making sure that the government wasn't overreaching in terms of power here. Um, So I, I think Sheer yesterday, as far as I saw, had the right tone. Is look, um, the opposition and the parliament is here to make sure that that democracy is still here when whenever this is over. And I I think there you're going to see some disputes in in the coming days, and it may be going on right now, over how much of of parliament's reconvening in these times is going to be virtual. And how much of it is going to be in person? Sheer is arguing for the in-person version. I think there's some pressure to do this in a, in a, in a you know, to involve more parliamentarians by having them phone in or something, uh, a Zoom Parliament right. maybe. But um, but I actually think uh, he he's making some useful points, and I I do think we've got to be mindful of the fact that we're all not that we're holding on to some of the things that um the the fundamentals of this country while we're doing this you know economically uh, this is going to be this has set whole new standards for for economics and I think we're going to have a different bar by which we measure government involvement in the economy after this uh, but those are debates for another day yeah. I think it, it is the, the opposition's job right now to make sure that 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 we've all just not um, merrily thrown everything away
0: as we wrap up this isn't a canadian story but of course uh, many people are watching to see what happens with boris johnson the british prime minister had breathing difficulty yesterday so he was brought into intensive care he had already disclosed of course that he was uh, suffering from the coronavirus uh, apparently he's not as we speak now on a ventilator but is getting oxygen to support him and uh, there is something about this, and there are many other examples too, of course, but there is something about this that makes the situation seem so much more real.
1: Yeah, I think you saw a bunch of world leaders talking about this yesterday. As you know, we, we tend to think of people like Boris Johnson, not just for his position, but for his personality, as kind of indestructible or beyond this or insulated from it. <clears throat> um, it shows how democratic this is. Um, and populist, uh, much like Johnson himself, this, this virus is. And remember, Canada has, Canada's connection to England in this is particularly poignant because it was uh, Sophie Gregoire's trip to Britain that gave her the virus that put our prime minister uh, uh, in self-isolation too. So the, the Britain-Canada connection not, is not only historic, it's kind of current. In this story, and I, I think I'm one of those people who thought um, when Boris Johnson went into hospital, I, it was a jolt for me.
0: Yeah, and uh, there are many jolts like that that we've experienced in in the past few weeks, for sure. Susan, I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Mark.
0: That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star.
1: We continue to have uh, productive and positive conversations with the United States, emphasizing for them that health care supplies and workers across the border are very much a two-way street. Now, here's what
0: political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In McLean's, Paul Wells asks if the forces of globalization can outlast the coronavirus. Wells writes... Around the world, people who are inclined to dismiss, reject, or fear the world outside their borders view the coronavirus crisis as an opportunity. What happens when we push this tendency a little further, in places where the authorities were already deeply suspicious of any outsider? The damage this crisis does, the lessons we will still be drawing and applying long after it ends, will be complicated by the pre-existing conditions of a weary and fearful world. In the Montreal Gazette, Lee's Raveri considers the risks of fake news on the coronavirus. Raveri writes, As time goes by, as confinement feels tighter and tighter, I wonder if our common smarts and individual brains will survive COVID-19. Speculative journalism creates panic and thickens the sadness so many feel. And there's nothing a virus likes more than a good conspiracy theory petri dish that gives it instant media exposure and popular legitimacy. At iPolitics, Elliot Hughes considers how the coronavirus could remake Canada's military. Hughes writes, The pandemic will have a material impact on all aspects of Canada's defence policy. These changes will be felt in defence funding, overseas operations and defence procurement. In the face of the pandemic, the federal government has announced billions in economic measures and tax deferrals. There's no question these measures are necessary, but the soaring deficits will place tremendous pressure to reduce spending in other areas in favour of health care and related priorities. In the Globe and Mail, Jeremy Farrar argues the only exit from this pandemic is through science. Farrar writes, We need diagnostics to detect and limit the spread of this virus, vaccines to provide long-term protection, and treatments to save lives in the shorter term. All will come only through swift and well-financed research. And while global leaders may be taking brave, forward-thinking, calculated risks on public health measures, the same cannot yet be said for funding the research effort. We must waste no time if we are to protect lives and livelihoods and prevent future tragedies. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will provide his daily update on the coronavirus situation at 11.15 Eastern Time. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, April the 7th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis and primetime politics. Tonight, our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.